So how do you evolve in the culture wars without losing your sanity and losing your spiritual focus? We'll help you today right here. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. We are going to have a great edifying, helpful, constructive show today. Welcome to the broadcast. Michael Brown, thanks so much for joining us. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I'm opening up the phone lines for all subjects. So I've got a bunch of things on my heart I want to talk to you about that I think will be really helpful, will build you up, will strengthen you, will encourage you will help you to live your life before the Lord in a way that will be much more effective and joy-filled at the same time. But phone lines are open for any question you have of any kind on any subject, as long as it's appropriate for Christian Radio 866-34-TRUTH. You can also challenge me on a point. You can differ with me on a point. You can ask me to clarify my joy to do so. All right. In, uh, what is it, a, a week, Super Bowl will be played, six days. And all of Louisiana is is upset. Not every person, but every sports fan is upset because the perception is the New Orleans Saints should have, I'm not talking sports today, I'm using an illustration. The New Orleans Saints should have been in the Super Bowl, not the Los Angeles Rams. But what happened was there was a horrific non-call, most of you know the story, The referees completely blew it. The league has acknowledged that the referees blew it. Because of that, New Orleans doesn't get in. So there's this sense of it's not right. That's not fair. Injustice. And I I watched, took some time with family a couple weeks back, whenever it was a week ago, to watch playoff games, just a chill day, relax in between writing projects and watch some football with the family. And we, we wanted the Rams to win and we wanted the Patriots to lose, basically. So Rams won, Patriots won instead of lost. You know, each game, super close, emotional. Normally, if one of my ethics is if I'm going to watch sports, I'm not going to get my heart into it because it's just sports. I'm not going to allow my emotions to get caught up. But watching and being there with family, I got got caught up emotion. I was bummed that this result, the other result. I thought it's so, it's so silly because it's just sports. And one city's happy, the other city's sad, and it, it, there's nothing ethically or morally right or wrong, except the Saints fans could say, we were robbed, we were robbed, it's not right. They've got lawsuits against the NFL and all this. Okay, now let's move over into the larger realm of society, the larger realm of the world in which we live. There's a lot of junk. There are a lot of things that are not right. There's often lack of justice and, and often it seems that, quote, the bad guys win. Now, in, when it came to sports, it wasn't a matter of good guys versus bad guys. It was a matter of a bad call that was then unfair to a team that by all rights should have been in the Super Bowl. And, and that's the big thing when you're playing. And the quarterback, Drew Brees, is, what, 40 years old. 
you want, if you're going to get in, you're going to get in. You don't have that much more time ahead of you. But in real life, there are good guys and bad guys. There are people who do evil, and with the criminal justice system, they somehow fall through the cracks or they get away with it. Or there's some loophole where they have enough money to pay their way out. It's like, that's not right. That's not fair. And then, let's get beyond good guys, bad guys. Let's say that there are issues that are very important to us. Let's just, let's just say, let's say half of you listening to me are liberal Democrats and half of you listening to me are conservative Republicans. That's the, those are not the demographics, but let's just say that, all right? And you're both really passionate about politics, both sides. And it's re- you really feel the liberal Democrats have to win or America's going down the tubes. And the other side, the conservative Republicans have to win or America's going down the tubes. And then with each election, there's going to be oh, one side's disappointed here, the other side's excited here, one side's celebrating, the other side's mourning. That's not fair. They stole the election. All this is going on. All right. Then you have the moral cultural issues, the social issues. So you have LGBT, LGBT activists and they're thrilled. They feel progress is being made. Marriage is redefined. This is wonderful. And then conservative Bible believers were grieved. We feel that marriage is being de- deformed rather than, than reformed in a positive way. We feel this is negative and destructive. And the same thing. This group is happy for this agenda in the schools. This group is grieved over it. This group thinks, oh, wonderful progress, tolerance that drag queens are reading to toddlers. And others are saying, are you crazy? And this is happening on our watch. So here, here's the issue now. Here's the issue. How do you get involved in the culture wars? How do you stand for what's right without losing your sanity? How do you keep fighting without losing your spiritual focus? Some of you say, that's easy. And I can't believe you don't see it. The answer, you would say, is you don't get involved in the culture wars. That's worldly. That's earthly. You don't get involved in politics. Fine, you vote, but you don't get your heart in it because it's a worldly fallen system. What you do is preach the gospel, make disciples, share your faith with others, pray for them, love your neighbor, and just don't get involved in the culture wars. All right, so here's my big question. Can we, in good conscience, sit out the culture wars? Let me ask this again. Can we, in good conscience, sit out the culture wars? I I have a large stack of books at home. I'm raising my hand this size. It's probably higher than that. Of just children's books, children's readers, promoting a very strong gay activist agenda. One of them is dedicated to a to to a boy unfortunately he only has a mommy and a daddy he doesn't have two daddies it would have been so much better if he had two daddies instead of a mommy and a daddy i'm, I'm talking about pretty radical stuff for little little children and and that reflects a lot of books i bought 5 6 7 8 years ago in other words if i kept buying them as they were coming out the stacks would pretty much fill this room just the other day just the other day i, I decided to buy a few more books i'm not going to hold them up right now but i'm just going to Read the titles. Uh, This is the Gender Identity Workbook for Kids, a guide to exploring who you are. 37 simple, fun activities to help kids understand their unique gender. I mean, it may not be male. It may not be female. It may be a combination of both. It's unique. You never know. Navigate the world around them, gain confidence and support. So maybe at, at six, you need to declare that you're actually trapped in the wrong body and need to be bold with that. 
And then how about this book? Pink is for boys. Pink is for boys. Yep. And then how about this one? Who are you? The Kid's Guide to Gender Identity includes an interactive wheel and guides for grown-ups. And then another gender book called Neither. What if you're neither male nor female? What if you don't fit in regular categories? This is, again, just a small sampling. I thought it was worth investing a few dollars to get these. Now, the people putting them out think they're doing good. The people putting them out think that they're being helpful. The people putting them out feel that they're going to help kids not go through the struggles of gender identity confusion, but rather affirm their unique gender or that they're in the wrong body or whatever it is. And obviously we feel that these things are terribly destructive and terribly confusing for kids and leading more and more kids to be confused about gender identity and sexuality and things like that. All right. So here's my point. You're going to stay out of the, excuse me, the culture wars. You are just going to raise your kids Love your neighbor, go to church, share the gospel with your lo- with the lost, and your kids are in public school, and they come home with these books. What do you do? If you do anything, you are now engaged in the culture wars. You have to be. Are, are you going to sit with your kids and discuss the issues? Now you're in the culture wars. Are you going to meet with the teacher, talk to an administrator? You're involved in the culture wars. Or are you going to speak to the school board or protest this? You're involved in the culture wars. You're minding your own business. You're at work. You are simply trying to love your neighbor, share the gospel, and be a good, honest employee and a witness of Jesus. And avoid the controversies. Oh, but in your company, they want to know, are you an ally of the LGBT movement? Are you an ally? Oh, one of my friends worked with one of the biggest companies in America, you know, Bank of, of America, I believe it was. And and they on, on personnel lists and, and he was, a, you know, a senior guy. They would first identify, OK, if you wanted to come out as LGBT, OK, now they're going to ask you, are you an ally? Are you an ally? And he said it was marked who was and who wasn't. And if you if you weren't, you're going to be under pressure. You, you are going to be discriminated against. So remaining neutral, saying, well, I'm not, now you just got marked. Now, and, and are you going to now be ashamed of your faith or your values or your convictions? So it, to me, this is no different than someone during the days of slavery saying, well, I'm not going to get involved in the culture. Well, it's a matter of justice. It's a matter of compassion. It's a matter of us being called to set captives free. It's the same thing with abortion. You live in New York. And and you're not going to speak up and you're not going to act and you're not going to get involved in in trying to do outreach in front of abortion clinics or work with a pregnancy crisis center or get on a list to adopt or write a letter of protest to to an elected official, try to raise your voice in op-eds and social media and whatever. Of of, Of course, if you have a conscience and you care about the slaughter of the unborn, New York State already the abortion capital of America now with more blood on its hands with its its latest ruling. That's why I wrote an article. New York reveals its bloodlust for baby killing. And that's why I said that rather than lighting up one world trade center, the 400 foot spire, rather than lighting up in pink, allegedly to celebrate women, it should have lit it up in blood red. And that meme that, that we put out of, of the 
pink and then the blood red, that's, that's gone everywhere. It's resonating with people. So obviously to just sit out the culture wars, if you live in this world, it's really not an option. At the very least, you're going to be burdened in prayer. But the problem is, if you're on the conservative side, the biblically-based conservative side, you see the way society is going, and it's grievous. And it ties back in with, you know, your team losing, and you feel it's not fair, or it's not right. It, it, it gets to you, it gets to you emotionally, it agitates, and often it's really hard to keep your spiritual focus, to keep level-headed, when things are so crazy in the world around us. So how do we do it? I'm going to give you some practical pointers and take your calls. 866-348-7884. Stay with us. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. Before we go to the phones, and in fact, I'm looking at the screen, Eric in Canada, I, I really want to get to your question, so stay right there, buddy, and I'll get to you shortly. Okay. How do we keep our sanity, keep our spiritual focus, be passionate without walking around agitated all the time, bothered, you know, we lost, they won, that kind of thing. How, How do we avoid that? Let me just throw out a few things, and I'll share more as the show goes on today. One major thing is, is this. It's not about winning or losing. Yes, I want to see justice triumph. I want to see righteousness triumph. I want to see compassion triumph. I I want to see goodness triumph, as you do. We believe there are right things and wrong things in terms of the social agendas around us. And and in that sense, we want to see victory. So what New York State did is a terrible loss. What a judge did in Iowa, where, where he declared unconstitutional, a bill that said once the baby's heartbeat is detected, the fetal heartbeat bill, once it's detected that you can't abort the baby, he said, no, a woman has a constitutional right to an abortion. Well, that's a loss, and it's a tragic loss. It's a deadly loss. But we cannot look at it in terms of personal victories and personal losses. Rather, we have to understand this world is always going to be messed up until Jesus comes. This world is always going to have moral ups and downs until Jesus comes. This world is going to see progress here and regress here. That's the world in which we live, which is also why we earnestly pray for the Lord to return. Okay? So in short, in short, we cannot look at this like like a sporting event, right? And, And our team won team lost, or we got robbed with a bad call, there there are going to be righteous politicians and unrighteous politicians and righteous judges and unrighteous judges. That's what's going to happen in this world. You say, well, where does that leave us? We do what's right because it's right. Yes, I want to see victory. Yes, I, I want to see my grandkids' kids grow up in a different world. 
as our grandkids now are between 12 and 18. I can already think of the next generation. I, I want to see their kids grow up in a different environment. Absolutely. A different church environment, a different secular environment. I'd love to see that. And I'm believing for change through the gospel. And, and I believe that another great revival could be ahead. If you haven't seen our latest video, it, it's Is It Too Late for America? It just took off over the last few days, over 400,000 views now on YouTube. Watch it, and you'll see as sobering and difficult as the times are. In point of fact, there is hope that there can be another awakening here in America. That's what I pray for. I grieve over loss, not loss in terms of we lost. I grieve over the loss of lives, over the loss of innocence, over people going through pain and and struggle. I grieve and mourn over that. But, but I'm not looking at this as my side won, your side lost, your side won, my side lost, because I know ultimately God's kingdom purposes are going to come to pass. I know ultimately those that oppose the gospel are going to wish that they had time to repent and it'll be too late. Though those that, that went against God's values and sought to establish their own righteousness are going to realize the folly of their ways. I know that's the case. I'm not looking for a personal victory. So here, for example, let's say I write a book and I think it's a really important book on the social justice subject. And someone who has the exact opposite viewpoint writes their book and their book sells more than mine and gets more thumbs up than mine or more positive review. It's it, We're not in a personal battle. I'm doing what's right. You're doing what's right because it's right. Now, if we see our strategies are constantly failing, we may need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, is there a better way to do this? Or are we missing something? It, it may be important for us to do that. However, we don't want to look at it as a personal competition, a battle like that. So I'm going to do what's right because it's right. Yeah, but Mike, you've been taking a stand for certain issues and things have been going in the opposite direction. That just encourages me to take a stand all the more. That confirms why it was important to take a stand. Here, here, uh, let let me give you this example, all right? Let's say that you are a nutritionist terribly concerned about the rising epidemic of obesity in America. And you are raising your voice to try to turn the tide and get Americans to adopt a healthy diet and lifestyle. You've been doing it for 10 years, and over those 10 years, obesity has been growing, 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 and more and more doctors saying it is, it is our worst concern. It is our worst health nightmare. It's causing this and this and this and this and this and this, right? Okay, after 10 years of sounding the alarm, are you going to be even more emboldened to do it now that everything's getting worse, or you think, well, I might as well quit? No, now it's like what you have is needed. Your message is needed. So the darker things get, the more our message of light is needed. The more confused things get, the more your message of truth is needed. So I don't like it when I see things going the opposite direction of what I believe is right and important. Say in New York, the state of New York, in a week, think of what, think of the horror of this, the, the horrific abortion bill and then the ban on so-called conversion therapy, meaning any minor in New York struggling with same-sex attraction, struggling with gender identity confusion, any minor, you can be 17 years old, with parental backing and consent, wanting help 
to resolve those same-sex attractions, wanting help to resolve that gender identity confusion. No, no, I don't want hormones. I don't want a sex change surgery. I, I, I feel I'm a man, and I want to feel at home in a man's body, but I, I don't want to be attracted to the same sex. I want to be attracted to the opposite sex, and I don't know why I'm attracted to the same sex. I want counseling and help. Illegal. Illegal in the big, large, influential state of New York. I hate that that's happening. It's cruel. That's wrong. That's in the abortion law, allowing a woman for alleged health reasons to abort a baby right up to the day of delivery. The solution is if there is a health risk, then deliver the baby and let someone adopt it. Don't kill it. But putting all that aside, yeah, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to speak. I hate the fact that things have gone in the wrong direction. I don't live in New York now, but I'm in New York for the first half of my life. So what, what's, what's the approach then? The approach is all the more do we speak up. All the more do we pray. All the more do we act. And we don't get discouraged with, quote, losses because we know it's a messed up world and there's not going to be perfect victory. It's not like, okay, this team won the Super Bowl. And by the way, this year, whoever wins, the New Orleans Saints fans are going to say, we're the, we're the rightful challengers and, and there is no real winner because we didn't get to play. But put that aside. Normally, you have a definitive, this team won. Well, it's not like that until Jesus comes. Jesus comes, he establishes victory. Until then, it could be three steps forward, four steps backward, two steps forward, one step backward. Our call is to be obedient. Our call is to honor the Lord. Our call is to do what's right, period. I love my neighbor and he's mean to me. Okay, well, you love him more. No one guaranteed that if you love your neighbor, your neighbor's going to love you back. You love your neighbor because it's the right thing to do. And it honors the Lord and it's Christ-like. 866-34-TRUTH. Okay, let us go to Eric in Canada. All right, tell you what, we, we had him, we lost him. Eric wanted to know if believers today have the same authority as the apostles, which I take to mean the 12 apostles. Yes and no. Yes, in terms of we are all followers of Jesus and have authority over the power of Satan in Jesus' name, have authority over sin in our lives in Jesus' name, have a mandate to share the gospel and to pray and have access to the Father. Yes, but as far as apostolic authority that the 12 had, no, that was unique. It was absolutely not ours in terms of writing words that ultimately became part of Scripture, as far as being those that were there to see the death and resurrection of Jesus. They had a unique authority as founders and fathers in the church. But, and they had an authority over churches that no, uh, no pastor or apostolic leader today would have. But as far as believers, we're all equal as believers. There's no hierarchy. There, there is no, here's a believer, and you go through the apostle to get to God. Or deduced from this some, something where, you know, Catholic church and priests can, can forgive sins and no one else can. No, no, I don't, I don't believe that at, at all. So, yes, the apostles definitely had unique authority as apostles, as laid out in the New Testament in terms of some of their function and, and the way they operated. And if they were associated with the book, it had a much better chance of being recognized as Scripture. So no one is writing Scripture today. 
no one has that apostolic authority over the church that could speak, say, as a, as a Peter might have spoken. But even then, even then, there was still the sense of we have to hear God together. So Acts 15, Peter speaks, Paul speaks, Jacob, right, an elder, the, the brother of Jesus or the half-brother of Jesus, Jacob, James, was not one of the apostles. He's the leader, though, of the believers in Jerusalem. And he ultimately presides over this. And the conclusion, it seemed good, the Holy Spirit and us. So ultimately, everyone serves. Everyone serves. The greater, the higher, the more powerful the leader, the more they're called to serve others. So that is always going to be the case, regardless of who you are. Evangelist so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, apostle so-and-so. Everyone we're called to serve. And in that sense, follow the ultimate example of Jesus. Back with more of your calls, 866-343. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Boy, I I am I'm looking at a testimony just posted on Facebook from Dana. This is Michael Brown, and you are listening to, watching, taking in the Line of Fire broadcast, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Dennis says, I was convinced that nothing good could come for me. So I had three abortions over a decade, and I saw the truth, and God walked me through healing. In my case, I did not know I had post-abortive stress disorder. It is real, and there may be others out there who don't even know the root of their depression. P-S-A-D is real. Wow, Dana, thank God for his mercy and grace in your life. And what a lie. People feel worthless, purposeless, feel as if their whole life is a mistake. And it's easy to spiral into self-destruction. In this case, three abortions. And then as a result of that depression, didn't know where it was coming from, then found out it was related to the abortions. Maybe that's you and you're suffering from post-abortive stress disorder. If, if that's the case, I'm sure if you just type in those words and then Christian on, online, you will find resources that will help you, ministries that will help you walk these things through. There's not just forgiveness, there's healing. 866-34-TRUTH. Phone lines are open for anything you want to talk to me about. But first, I, I want to give you a pointer that will help you keep joy and blessing in the midst of a fallen, messed up world where you see good happen, but you see bad happen. You see a breakthrough. Okay, this is positive, but then this is negative. Here, here look, conservative evangelicals who voted for Donald Trump for the, for the courts, say, right? For a court appointees or for pushing back against radical LGBT activism or to stand with Israel. So he's done things we've asked him to do to stand for religious liberties. He, he's done amazingly well on those points, commendably well, with a forehead of steel. And that thrills me. And that's why I voted for him. There are other things that are a real downside in terms of who he is in the presidency that, that have brought negative things to the nation. Well, that's, a, that's what's going to happen with a human being, right? 
the good is good and the bad is bad. And, and my friend Eric McTaxis, who wrote a, a great biography on Martin Luther, said that Luther was like Donald Trump on steroids. Luther did amazing good and amazing bad. That's just going to be the way it is in this world. So how do you keep sanity and, and, and a joy and, and you don't just lose it because it's everything so crazy? All right. One way is to glorify God for whatever he does. Regardless of everything else that's happening, what the bad things people are doing, the chaos that's around us, things seem to happen for no reason, what the devil's doing, how about being sure that we glorify God for what he does? Let me give you an example. You're in a drug rehab ministry and you go through heartache because somebody that was doing really well drops out of the program and dies of a drug overdose. That's devastating. That's someone you loved and prayed for and cared for. Rejoice over the ones that are doing well. Share the latest testimony of deliverance. Bring up, hey, it's 10 years now. And this one, he's now a pastor in the inner city helping people get free. She's now a mother of five kids. Remember, she was suicidal and the doctor said, you destroyed your health. You'll never have a baby. She's a mother raising godly kids. And rejoice in what God is doing. Share positive testimonies. Quick story, and then I go to the phones. I was in Italy ministering one time, and that particular night I felt burdened to pray for the sick. And we had some significant healings. Now, there was no one blind that I prayed for, and their eyes were open in front of our eyes. And to my knowledge, there was no one like, like quadriplegic, and I prayed for them to heal. Uh, what I mean is, I, don't, I certainly would have known if they were healed, but I don't think anyone in that condition was there. But there were some significant healings. You know, one man had had a condition and gone to the best specialist he could in Italy and couldn't get cured, and he was instantly touched and healed, and, and some others were healed, and, and they were, there was a lot of excitement. Now I knew there were some I prayed for that weren't healed. Uh, that was clear to me. After the meeting, I was talking to the leader of the, the team that I was ministering with in Italy, and he said, brother, people are really excited tonight. God really moved. And I said to him, wanting to seem like mature and, and that I had compassion for those who weren't healed. I said, yeah, thank God for those who are healed, but what about those who weren't? And, and I saw it just kind of like, too, like an arrow pierced his heart, just got him down. And now, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, of course we have to deal with those who aren't healed. If you're praying for the sick and people aren't healed, of course you have to carry that burden. But there's also a time to thank God for what he did. Because when you rejoice in what he did, your own spirit's going to be lifted. Your own faith is going to be lifted. And you're going to be able to do a much better job of ministering to someone in need the next day. And, and helping that person that wasn't healed the first day, maybe they'll be healed the second day. What I did was I took the air out of the balloon rather than saying, praise God for his healing. Yeah, wasn't that amazing? The Lord is good. And he promised it here and there. And, and then, yeah, I remember when he did this. And I remember when he did this. It's like, hey, we keep praying. I know some aren't healed, but we're going to keep praying. There's a different way to do it. So one way is to not just look at the bad news because we're surrounded by that. How much does the media report good news? How much, how much does talk radio, how much was cable TV, how much does the major news channels, the major news outlets, the newspapers, the magazines, internet news outlets, how much do they report good news? Very little. Overwhelmingly bad news. Yes? So let's focus on the good that God does, which will then give us courage and faith 
to deal with the bad that's always going to be here in this world until Jesus returns. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Daryl in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Hey, how's it going, brother? Very well, thank you. Good, awesomeness. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, as a Christian, we learn uh, one of the gifts is discernment. You know, and as as a group, if we all understand discernment, we all need to get together and do something about it. You know, one one star isn't as bright as a whole bunch of stars. And um, somehow we need to start utilizing, you know, um, the people in government that are God-fearing, you know, uh, believers, followers, you know, and uh, like you say, pray for them. And uh, I was going to say, can we use this moment right now to pray for our leaders right now? Yeah, yes, sir. Sure. Let me, awesome. let me do that. You agree with me, right, Daryl? Yes, sir. Yes. I yeah. want to pray that all the leaders right now in position are good stewards and good, loving, Christian good stewards, not Let's, these yeah. uh, satanic types that uh, project out their good stewards and then we see in their actions, you know, they're not so good. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's pray. And let me just say one thing, Daryl. In... In there's wisdom in godly counsel, absolutely right. And First Chronicles twelve thirty two speaks of the sons of Issachar, that they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And and often we find wisdom when it's not just church leaders, but church leaders say with with business leaders, and then with political leaders, and then with educational leaders, and then with leaders in media. And we find oh, you're a believer here, you're a believer here, you're a believer here. Let's put our heads together. And let's find out how we can work jointly rather than each in our own little group. It happens on some level, but it needs to happen more. So, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name, we pray, Father, for your holy fear to come upon leaders in this nation, however big or small their leadership role is, that they would fear and honor you and do what is right and in the best interest of the country, not self-interest, but the best interest of the country and the best interest of the people in this country as they serve before you, even if they don't understand you, may there be a reverence of what is right in your sight in Jesus' name. And we ask that you would save those who don't know you and who are in rebellion against you, that they may come to the knowledge of the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Daryl, for your call, 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Jeff in Maryland. Welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Michael Brown. How are you doing? All right, hang on, hang on. This <laughs> I know this voice. All right, my old friend Jeff Rogers, man. How many years has it been? I mean, we texted each other and missed yeah, each other on the yeah. phone. I watched one of your videos. But man, we have <laughs> since the eighties known I've known yeah. Pastor Jeff and his wife Adrian and their remember when the kids were born? Long time ago, man. Just hear it. Good to hear your voice, man. Well, man, it's really good to be able to connect with you. I, I try not to trouble you on calls because so many people are trying to get through to, to converse. But today, I was listening to you, and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to call in on this one because Sweet. I, think it's a, I think it's good for you to talk about um, how to engage the culture and the society without losing your mind. And yeah. so I wanted to I wanted to throw something out there, just kind of bounce it off. Um, I, last year, I was I was looking at a way to connect 
uh, different ministry uh, intercession teams together. Because I know that there's there's all kind of intercession that happens all over this globe. But I don't know of any kind of nexus where there could be a way for all of the groups that are given to intercession to maybe target a particular thing. They may have their own agenda of, of a lot mm-hmm. of things that they want to address, but what would happen if they attack one thing for a short period of time or a long period of time, whatever it is? Because I'm thinking that um, dealing with the darkness that's over our nation and, and, and looking scripturally how uh, Isaiah talks about that there is a veil that is cast over all people, mm-hmm. and um, there should be a way to penetrate that. There should be a way to uh, create some kind of effective change if if intercession were to be uh, massive and focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just a thought, man. I, what, what do you think about that? Well, first, I totally agree, and a point I was about to get to was that our our ultimate battle is spiritual. So we know above all that we give ourselves to prayer. And then in that we find ourselves in intimacy with God. And that reality is more important than anything around us. So it keeps our, our, our attitude and focus, right? But there's no question that if we could, if we could together as, as a body and those that are really called with a ministry of intercession, to focus with prayer and fasting on something yeah. specific. There's no question change would come. The, the question is how to unite more people. Hey, stay, stay right yep. here. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us today on The Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. Friends, do you subscribe to our YouTube channel? It's growing rapidly. By God's grace, we have over 1,500 videos there, debates I've done on all kinds of subjects, three-minute teachings, answering Bible questions for you, all kinds of resources. Our daily broadcast, The Real Messiah Jewish Outreach Broadcast, we've had amazing, amazing calls recently from Orthodox Jews there. So much more. Go to our YouTube channel. It's Ask Dr. Brown, SKDR Brown. Subscribe today. All right. So, uh, Jeff, let's just take one more second, then I, I want to uh, grab some other calls here. But have okay. you ever seen, just within your own congregation, sir, or your own circle of intercessors, that when you have really been burdened to focus on a particular thing, praying for a person, praying for a situation, that when you really came together in a focused way, you saw results? Yes, I can say that. I can say that for dealing with um, specific matters that were um, of great concern to us in our um, church family. And I can also tell you that something else that came to mind when you asked that question. In 1991, 1991, there was a major um, convention of, of spiritualists that were meeting in this area. They were to meet here uh, early November. 
and, and this is what happened. The Lord gave me this burden to give to the church to just pray, just pray that whatever kind of spiritual wickedness is trying to unfold in the Washington, D.C. area would be circumvented. And for about 31 days, we prayed and we fasted, and then I found out that whatever was supposed to be happening with this group uh, coming up into Washington, D.C., it didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> and that was just that was just a supernatural unction to do that. Yeah, yeah. and you know, I, so, I I remember two quick things. One, when you, when when your congregation was small and you met on a Saturday night in in a, a little a real small church building, and and uh, I was I was coming in to preach, and there was this extraordinary anointing for prophetic words. I think the sharpest ever experienced in my life ended up revealing one guy was a pickpocket and boasting about it and this whole yeah. thing. Right. Well, I it was like I walked into something and the the whole church had fasted that day for the meeting that night. It was just a mini example. <laughs> and then I remember Jeff, I was speaking in I think it was Washington DC. No, no. I was speaking elsewhere, but it was a Cops for Christ meeting and I was teaching mm-hmm. on spiritual warfare. And I said I just feel led to use this as an example. I said which cops here serve in the most violent district? And they looked around, they said, D.C. cops. So these guys came up and I said, okay, we're going to believe God today that someone on your most wanted list, top 10 most wanted list, we're going to pray, we're going to take authority over demonic forces in Jesus' name, and we're going to pray for a breakthrough on that list. Within a week, one of the guys on that list turned, walked into the cop's office in Maryland and turned himself in. And we just felt led of the Lord to do it. So yeah, absolutely. Is I, I wanted you to share examples. I'm sharing examples. If we can encourage folks here in, in your own church to pray in a more unified way, intercessors in a city, find out what other groups there are. Maybe we could join together. Maybe some of you listening, it's like, well, we've got different groups. Maybe we can try to cross pollinate or just what, what can we agree on? What's the number one thing we can all agree on? Let's, let's give ourselves to praying for that. God answers prayer. Absolutely. Hey, Jeff, we got to see each other, man. Love you. Give my love to your family, and uh, we'll connect soon. Thanks so much for calling in, man. Much appreciated. All right, 866-34. I talked to Jeff for hours, so just at least you you let us edify one another, hopefully edify you as well for a few minutes. And uh, amen, amen to what he's saying. Uh, All right, Donna, I just read your comment on Facebook about abortion, uh, calling from New York. Thanks, thanks so much for, for calling in, Donna. Yeah. So, I've been listening so, to you for a long time. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. What was it in your own life that gave you that sense of no purpose, no value? How, how did you find yourself there? Well, uh, I'm one of eight children, and I was an uh, unexpected twin, and my mother had a weird sense of humor. She kind of let us know, let us kids all know that you know we weren't wanted. You know, we weren't mm. planned. Put it that way, we weren't planned. So I kind of grew up thinking, you know, I was a burden. And uh, if it weren't for my twin sister, I would probably still be in denial because we chose very different paths. As I was going into abortion clinic, she was picketing them. Seriously. As a born again believer, yeah. Wow. So it was a it was a very strange 
uh, dynamic that God had me on one path and she was on another. I chose to walk away from God. I always believed in him, but I wasn't really following him. I just, you know, he didn't die for me personally. So when she started having one child and another child and another child and another child, my depression got worse with every child my twin sister had. Mm. And by the way, we share the same birthday. Mark right, I imagine this. Uh, yes, as oh, oh, okay. I thought you and your yeah. twin sister shared the same birthday. That no, would be self-evident. No, all three okay. of us. All, all right, all three of us. us. Awesome. Well, I, March sixteenth yeah. is great because it's all you got. All these three sixteens in the Bible, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. Let, let me did, just yeah. Let me ask you one other question, Donna. Explain uh-huh. the psychology. Your lack of feeling of worth. Your lack yeah. of feeling purpose. How did yeah. that contribute to having abortions? Well, a couple of ways, and and I'm going to admit that it wasn't all in this like false humility mm-hmm. of nothing of worth could come from me. There was absolutely a selfish component to it, Got it. but it also ties in with that self-worth and that I chose a career to find, to prove that I had worth, ah, and those okay. children were going to interfere with my career. Got it. And the other thing I like to share about having multiple abortions is it's very much it, it makes sense when you think about it that, well, I did it once. If I don't do it again, it must have been wrong the first time. You know, there's this, oh, like, backwards yeah, yeah, yeah. logic to it. Like, I understand. Some people, I understand. Yeah, say it's kind of like the same as a soldier re-upping, you know, time and time again. Um, very interesting. You know, so, so yeah, Donna, when, when you had your first abortion, yeah. immediately after having the abortion, so there uh-huh. are multiple psychological reasons for doing it, social reasons for doing it. Do you remember right. how you felt immediately afterwards, like, you know, at the clinic, ready to leave? Uh, I don't remember anything about any of my abortions. I must have blanked out. Um, I remember afterwards, and this is, again, I'm just being honest with you, I was upset because I couldn't work. I was so convinced mm. that it was nothing. Mm. You know, that it was just a procedure. It wasn't a baby. It wasn't, you know, I was so indoctrinated. In fact, I was told many times by friends, if I didn't have the abortion, I was a fool. Mm. Now, you know, when they say it's for the health of the woman, I know, you know, the baby's a whole separate issue, but it's the worst thing a woman could do, you know, for her own health, mental health, whatever, physical health. I mean, it's very rare that it's in the woman's best interest. I think now, looking back, Roe v. Wade being years ago, there are statistics that show this is just not true. Right. It is right. But not. But Roe Ro, Ro v. Wade itself was based on a lie. The, the, whole, the yeah. whole case was based on a lie. Yeah. So that's, that's the strength of, of the abortion movement. It's, it's a lie. And it's, it's yeah. ultimately a, a anti-women. So, Donna, yeah. did you yeah. come to faith and then uh, find healing for the the abortions is is that how it worked? You you got born again, or was it? A... Uh, I got born again, and I still didn't realize the root of my depression. But things that I I did foster care, and I happened to have three foster kids put on my front doorstep. I had three abortions. It was like, boom, you know, what do you what do you think? You start doing the math, and you think wow. of the ages, and you think, you know, two boys and a girl. Were they two boys and a girl? I mean, these thoughts go through your head, and uh, you know, God used many, many ways to open my eyes. I was an x-ray tech, and I actually found teaching x-rays when I was doing a, a, 
uh, rotation in a pediatric ward, and I pulled out this x-ray, and I could not figure out what it was. And I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at it. Finally, I realized it was baby part. And I knew what I had done in that moment. Mm. But I Mm. still was able to put that x-ray away, put it up on the file, put it up on the shelf, and go back to work, you know? There's a lot to this. I mean, the healing is deep, but it's so precious because God is so intimate with every woman. You know, she had her own reasons. She had her own story, and God knows it better than anybody. And he walks you through, and he's still walking me through things. When my twin sister's girls were teenagers and giving her a hard time, I heard the enemy in my head saying, aren't you glad you didn't have kids? See, you did the right thing after all. And I had to go to God with that because it was like it felt real, you know, it felt... I mean, but, yeah. my sister was, it was awful. And God, the good, so yeah, and I'm, I'm just jumping in just, just because of time here, we're almost out, but it's so good that you've been in touch with your feelings and emotions and understand these things and can go to the Lord. So friends, if, if you realize things you're struggling with are, are related to abortion, and Wendy, I, I can't get your call now, maybe we can talk a future time, the legitimacy of inner healing prayer, there are all kinds of methods that can be flaky and things that are just human psychology, but Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And there's no question whatsoever. He wants to heal us on the inside as well as on the outside. In fact, even more on the inside. So there is a place for inner healing when it's done biblically and rightly. And, and God wants us whole on the inside, not just forgiven, but whole. He can do it. He can do it, one life at a time. Hey, thanks for being part of the broadcast.